0: Logo Geek. Hey Logo Geeks, it's Ian Padgett here. I'm back with another podcast created to help you make a living designing logos. Today's episode is sponsored by The Perfect Match, a game where designers submit mood boards created using Adobe Stock Assets. And if your amazing mood board design is chosen, you will be featured on Adobe's monthly live streaming game show with other talented designers, art directors and creatives where the winner goes home with $750. It's totally free to participate in The Perfect Match. And by simply submitting an entry, Adobe will buy you a coffee for your time. To learn more and to enter, visit theperfectmatch.co forward slash logo geek. That's theperfectmatch.co forward slash logo geek. So this week on the podcast, I'm joined by a designer and illustrator, that active members of the Logo Geek Facebook group might recognize. Scott Fuller, who runs his own design studio, the Studio Temporary in Atlanta, Georgia. In this interview, we go right back to how he first got into design, how he managed to get his first design job, how he discovered his first studio space where he uh, began the Studio Temporary, how he used cold calling to find clients and, and how posting work on social media has attracted some big projects. We spoke for over an hour so there's lots to take in on this one um, so let's just jump straight into it. Here is the interview with Scott Filler. I, I want to unravel your story. I want to go right back to the beginning. So um, I think as an opening question, I read an interview and I understand that you studied mechanical engineering. <laughs> uh, you didn't study graphic design. So can you talk through how you first got into graphic design?
1: So actually, not true. Um, okay, it, it, it's true but not true. So I um, when I was in high school I had um, I did trig, trigonometry and physics and calculus and everything like that. I graduated from high school when I was 16 and off to college had a scholarship for mechanical engineering. My dad's a machinist had been for you know most of his life and um, I was ready to go. but my last year I took a I took a, an art class in high school. I'd never taken one before. I'd been drawing and and doing stuff like that ever since I was a little kid. And it's something that I really thoroughly enjoyed, but I didn't know I could really make a career of it. I went to school supposedly to spend, you know, just to kind of check out the school and everything, you know, stay on campus for a couple of days. I spent about five minutes in the engineering department and I kind of snuck away from my tour group and went straight to the art department. And there I kind of found, oh shoot, i can this this is something that i can do and make a living and and do this but the art that i found was studio art fine art so pen and pencil oil painting like different things like that so that's what i actually changed my major to Uh, and i went to and that's what i started out doing is uh is like fine art so i did fine art for about two years and i was good at it i was really good at it but after about two years, I was just done with it because I, I don't know. I, I understand there are, there are incredible fine artists. If a fine artist is listening to this right now, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but it, I, I found it in my mind to be completely useless because, <laughs> well, and, and let me, let me try to explain this. I want to create, but I never actually felt that me looking at something and just drawing it was actually contributing to anything. All right. That was, like I said, it was in my mind, in the back of my mind, I'm going, this is not helping anybody. This is not doing anything. I'm not putting anything new into the world. It's just, I'm just drawing something. Mm -hmm. So I was, I went home that summer after my sophomore year, I was one mouse click away from blowing the whole thing up and going back and doing mechanical engineering, one mouse click. And I would have changed my whole course of my life. I decided to give it one more, one more semester. My first class was a graphic design class and I fell in love. I realized this is what I've been looking for my entire life. Immediately changed my major from studio art to graphic design. And, uh, man, it's, uh, it's been a crazy roller coaster of a journey from there, but uh not something that I've regretted once.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, is it is really interesting because I um I know I, I personally got into graphic design because I did have that artistic side growing up. You know, I, I like to create and I can imagine that a lot of people listening uh will probably be in a a, a similar boat. And I think you've um summed up nicely and I don't think you're Offending anyone in the way that you you, you said it, but graphic design. <laughs> I gotta make
1: sure. I gotta make sure. Yeah. You well,
0: know? Gra- graphic design is um, using those artistic skills to solve problems and mm-hmm. to create something new that doesn't previously exist. Um, mm-hmm. So it's still using the same artistic skills. Like you, you probably benefited from all of those skills that you developed. In those classes, but you're just utilizing them to solve problems <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. and I, and I enjoyed that you know I really did um, my like I said my dad was a machinist and you know my goodness I'd see some of the stuff that he'd make and it, it was just this incredible thing just take this one you know this lump of material metal or, or aluminum or steel or you know or steel or brass or whatever. And just make these incredible pieces. And they weren't necessarily anything to write home about. But the precision and the uh, just the, the the craftsmanship that went into this thing, the, the idea being that this part has to be done in a very specific way. Because if it doesn't do its job, then it's completely worthless. And most folks are dealing in like inches and half and inches. We were dealing in – tens of thousands of, you know, tens of thousands of inches. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we haven't measured, we haven't measured anything in inches in, you know, in years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, this is how long the bar has to be cut. But by the time we get in there, we're measuring with micrometers and calipers and different things like that. So this idea of precision was kind of, you know, was a huge part of that for me ever since I was a little kid.
0: Yeah. It, it, it sounds like you picked up a lot of that um, accuracy that's really needed for yeah uh logo design and graphic design from your dad it's and that's true i mean he
1: <clears throat> you know everything was so precise and if you look at my work um just the way things align you know whether it's through the logos or, or even in the illustrations that is a huge part uh, of what i do it makes up a huge part of um of my process you know i i I mean, it's just like logo design, you know, we, we start with just a lump of, you know, a lump of nothing, mm-hmm. a great big lump of nothing. And then next thing you know, you know, Hey, we built this amazing thing, but we're just kind of chipping away at it mm-hmm. this, uh, this whole time. Um, one of the things that he told me, um, a long time ago, and it had nothing to do with design, but it's something that I'll always take with me. He said, you know, you're talking about a piece of piece of metal, you know, he said, you can always take more off, but you can't put more but you can't put it back on. So when I start with a, you know, when I start in a logo design or something like that, I'm always, I'm throwing the kitchen sink at it. And when I start, you know, there are no, there are no wrong answers, you know, especially when I first, you know, when I first get started. So that's been a huge part of my, uh, what is it? That's been a huge part of my process, you know, ever since then, probably the, one of the best pieces of design advice I'd ever, I've ever been given from somebody who, who knows, you know, nothing about like graphic design, you know, in the way that I do it, but, um, knows more about process and, uh, what is it? And uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's amazing. I've seen that. I've seen that so many times, you know, people will say, Hey, I, I remember this, or I remember that. And they'll, you know, give this piece of you know, what is supposedly ostensibly design advice from, you know, from an entirely different uh, job. Yeah, viewpoint. Yeah, yeah, and it's great, you know, and here in design, you know, that's one of the things we're looking for when we do research, when we really jump into the projects, man, that's what we're looking for. We're wanting those, we're wanting those different point of views. We're wanting to come at it from an angle that maybe not, that hasn't necessarily, you know, oh, I've never seen this before, but, maybe a unique perspective you know and yeah. that's what i'm looking for you yeah. know with my with my logo designs and everything like that i'm constantly on the lookout for new ways to to do things or new ways to um
0: you know yeah i understand and um i'm keen to go into your um logo design process at some point in this conversation but uh we'll save that for a little bit later <laughs> uh, in the conversation but uh focusing on your uh journey we've spoken about how you uh found graphic design and i, I mm-hmm. know um that part of the journey is i guess fairly easy you know finding a passion or, or something that you love yeah. um i think that's something that's fairly easy really um but to successfully make a living uh from that passion is is a whole different story mm-hmm. so um again prior to doing this interview I I, I, uh, I I read a couple of previous interviews that you've done and um, uh, in one of them you mentioned that you did some intern placements and uh, some in-house positions but um, you mentioned that it took a, a few years to get a, a, a proper uh, graphic design job so can you talk about that time yeah well I mean I graduated in 2008 and um
1: I had a couple of internships that summer. Um, and, uh, one of them was, you know, this little like half design, half printing type of a place. Um, that was, that was really crazy. My, uh, my boss was actually bipolar. So that was, uh, that was quite an interesting experience. Um, I, we would come in and like, one day it'd be perfect. And then the next day my boss would come in and like, I'd get cussed out. Like it was, <laughs> it was, it was crazy. Um, but uh, the second one went infinitely better. I got an internship at a place called brand fever there in Atlanta, just off of Marietta street. And, um, oh man, they had Coca-Cola America smart, like, or they had all these incredible clients um, doing some really amazing work. And I remember, and I'll, I'm will i going to divvy, you know, I'm going to kind of step aside here for just a quick second. I remember the first month of my internship, I didn't realize that I had a desk. I remember that I was doing all the like the cut and paste and the making mock-ups and different things like that. All I worked with for the first month plus that I was there was spray glue and scotch tape and exacto knives and paper samples and everything like that that was literally all i did for the first month but i just figured hey this is just it's just part of it you know i'm, I'm supposed to do this and i didn't say anything like i was one of the i was the second person to get there every day obviously because I, I didn't have a key i was the second person to get there pretty much every day and i was one of the last people to leave every single day just doing so much of that mock-up work and then they finally brought me back. All right, let's, let's get into some stuff. Went through, learned their, you know, kind of the way they did things. Worked with the traffic manager. And then they gave me, as an intern, they gave me an account, which was crazy. And I got to design a logo, my first professional logo, um, you know, working for somebody else. I designed that logo in October of 2008. It is... October of twenty twenty one. So thirteen years on, and that company is still using that logo. So That's the amazing. first professional logo <laughs> I did. It's it's stuck around, which was which was crazy. But after, you know, I'll say that to say this. My that first experience might be maybe not exactly what you think, especially when you first get there. But stick around. Because something's coming, trust me, and, and, it, and it'll change. But a lot of times they want to know, hey, I want to make sure if I give this person a task that they're going to take it seriously and they're going to do it and do it right to the best of their ability. And then you get something bigger. Then you get something better. And just kind of going on, it's, it's you know, you kind of earn that thing, right? Yeah. And I had to re- And I had to realize that, you know, it, it wasn't something that I had to think about when I got there because I was just okay this is just part of it what's yeah.
0: next you Yeah, I, th- I think it's really important that you brought that up actually because in my previous uh career mm-hmm. uh i i was a creative director so we we hired interns i've, I've worked with a number of interns and mm-hmm. some young designers expect because they've uh, been to university, and they have all the qualifications to basically oh, yeah. come in and sit down and uh suddenly start working on like the biggest projects and that's just not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. The truth is in in most cases when you are an intern, you will be doing all the small i guess scrappy jobs um yep. that feel insignificant, but they are done to Uh, allow you to settle in and for everyone to start to trust you and see what you're capable of doing Mm -hmm. so you know when when you're doing those jobs like you was it it might feel like a slog it might not feel like enjoyable work but it sounds like you had the right attitude and the right mindset and you proved to the company that you was a reliable trustworthy member of the team and because of that, they gave you an opportunity. And I think mm-hmm. that's the way that people need to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and I, once again, we get back to, you know, we get back to kind of my, uh, you know, work with my dad. You know, a lot of what we did was very, you know, menial, you know, type of things. There was a lot of monotony to this. So I, you know, yes, it was yes, it was monotonous at times, but at the same time, man, if you didn't pay attention, you're going to mess something up in a big way, you know, but you had to pay so close attention to every single thing you were doing, even if you were doing it over and over and over and over and over again. Right. So for me, jumping into something like this was never, what is it was really never that difficult because once again, you know, who knew working as a machinist kid would have that, uh, have that big of an effect on me, but it worked. Now that being said, that was pretty much the high point of my career for about the next two years. Um, 2008 wasn't exactly the greatest year for a lot of stuff, um, especially um, you know, especially over here in the U.S. And it just, man, you know, I couldn't find work. Couldn't find work. We uh, originally I was going to stay on at the um, at the agency that I was at. Uh, They were gonna, they were gonna keep me on. I was so excited, you know, because I was getting, uh, I was gonna be getting married in uh, in a couple months. So I'm sitting there going, "Oh, this is gonna be perfect." Well, then that happened. Some clients were, you know, had to drop out or whatnot, and my interview from, "Oh, hey, here's the onboarding, here's your new job," you know, turned into, "So, here's what we're gonna do," (laughs) you know. And then that just kind of started this chain of like the next two years I was working in a, I was working back for my dad. I was working at a grunt boy at a machine shop. I was working at Subway. I was working at Minuteman Press. I was working at all these different places. And I just, I went to a screen printing shop. This is so bad. The screen printing shop um, was in Noonan, Georgia, which is like right in the middle of like the Bible Belt type of a thing, like super conservative, super everything like that. This this family <laughs> came in, and they basically the logo for a screen printing shop almost looked like a gentleman's club, <laughs> and, and like that's what they thought it was when. And I found out this later, like they thought that, hey, really, like this is a screen printing shop, you know? When they went to go to the um, like our business, like our you know local like business bureau or um, you know, S- uh, chamber of commerce or, or whatever, and everybody was just like. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like I remember at one point we were using like a direct to garment machine and I was screen print not screen printing, but I was like printing on like these little teeny tiny like thongs basically. I mean I was just I was just done with, with all of this. I'm like, this is not what I signed up for when I, when I got a degree, when I, when I did this internship, like I have actual experience, you know, but at the same time, you know, I I still learned something wherever I went in 2000. Let's see, this would have been in 2010 into 2010. I was working at an Apple store and uh, I was using design as a sales tool at that point point. And that was it. You know, I was doing a little bit on the side here and there, but not, not enough to really make any difference. And, uh, <laughs> I sold the computer to the right guy and he uh, owned a trucking company, big trucking company up in, up in Atlanta, um, trucking parts and, 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 you know, and everything like that. He saw what I did and we talked about design a little bit he asked me to come up and say hey let's uh I might have some freelance work for you so I took a half a day off went up there and he said I actually don't have any freelance work for you know I, I got pissed for a second and then <laughs> um he said no 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 no. you don't understand he said I, I don't want to have freelance work for you he said I want to hire you full-time I want you to run everything I want you to we're going to redesign our whole identity we're going to do packaging we're going to do products we're going to do uh catalogs we're gonna do photography we're gonna do signage and wayfinding and all these different things i was basically gonna be redesigning every single thing that they had which (laughs) is gonna take me a few years for sure and so i what i was making more than quadrupled in the space of about five minutes which was nuts and then i'll never forget that day because i went home that night and my wife told me she was pregnant
0: so all of that happened in one day. Oh, timing! Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I I need to unravel this a little bit. Um, firstly, I, I <laughs> well, need to say congratulations to for that. But okay, so so you're working in Apple. A guy came in and offered you a, a an amazing graphic design job. So, now there there's obviously more to this. So what was it that you actually was able to show him? and
1: i actually uh, didn't show him any work at all
0: so how, um, how did he know that you was capable of doing all of this stuff that he needed to because that's an so incredible I, opportunity just off a whim <laughs>
1: so i told you at the time that the only thing that i was using design for was a sales tool it's like oh this works really good if you're a designer or different things like that you know this this type of computer might be great for this or great for that you know and then he goes oh you're a uh, you're a designer. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm sitting here and, you know, selling you an Apple, you know, selling you a computer. So absolutely I'm a designer. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then he said, huh? He said, you do. And then he just asked me if I did freelance. And I said, I I did. And he said, well, I might have some stuff for you. Can you come and talk? Did
0: you show him anything? No. Did he see anything? (laughs) No. Like
1: that's, that's the crazy part. Like I said, he's like, do you have any stuff with me? And what? He, he actually asked me if I had any stuff. And I said, well, I'm, I said, I can't really be showing that stuff around at the moment. I said, but I can come up and, you know, I can come up and talk to you and, and stuff like that. Sure. So I did show, eventually show him some stuff when we met. But, um, but at the time um at the time we were there before we made the appointment I wasn't able to show him anything
0: yeah yeah so so by the time he'd made you the offer he you you'd been able to show him Mm -hmm. uh, some of the previous work that you had done okay so something else I want to ask um so far in this story um you've done the one logo uh (laughs) so in terms of what you've shown him where did that work come from was that collectively from uh jobs that you had or had you been doing work in your own time
1: um I had been trying to do work in my own time some of it was from school some of it, but I was still showing some school work you know two years out I mean I had been trying there was like one or two projects that I still showed from school but I at that point I was almost giving work away just so that I could do it you know I was like hey, let's try this, let's try that, you know, just so I could get experience or do different things like that. I'd picked up a few freelance jobs here and there. So I had a little bit of work, but not anywhere close to, like, uh, I mean, obviously, like, what I have now and what I have then are <laughs> two very different things. Yeah,
0: but my, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that you didn't just sit around no, waiting. No, You went out there and it sounds like you did a lot of work for free as, as gifts to, in order to get that experience. And not even his uh, not
1: even his gifts, just like, you know, nobody had a budget and, and nobody was doing that. And may, you know, maybe I was, wasn't, you know, knocking on the right doors, but at that time I was like, look, I, I did have a little bit of work, but I needed to, I don't know. I, I was pretty, I mean, I'm, I still am, you know, pretty obsessed with what I do, but, you know, I want. I knew this is what I wanted to do. I was the, you know, uh, there was never a doubt in my mind. Yeah. Now, I had a lot of people that I was talking to at the time. I had agencies that I was talking to. I actually had, during that time, I actually had an opportunity to go work at an agency as another, it was like an internship again. But my internship at, at Brandfever was, man, it was paid and they paid me well. They paid me time and a half. They paid for my parking. They did. I mean, like, I I felt like an employee. And then I got an offer from this agency. um, And I was going to be their first ever intern. You know, I've looked up to this agency for years. And they were like, all right, well, let's do this. And then I asked about payment. They were like, oh, like, we don't pay. We just give like a gas stipend. And I'm like, oh, no, please don't tell me that. So basically I'd have to work for 4 months and the only thing I'd be earning is gas money. So I had to turn it down because I uh, I had to have something that could make money, you know. Yeah. And that kind of changed that changed the entire course of my career and I'm glad that I did that. But man, I don't know. I just I'm sure, I'm sure there were plenty of things that I did that I did wrong, but I just I don't know. I had all this stuff right here that I, you know, I had to get out some way somehow, you know, and Mm -hmm. I didn't want to just do it for myself. I wanted to, um, you know, I think it was Michael Beirut famously talked about passion projects and saying that he doesn't really at the time he was like, you know, you know, doctors, he said, they don't practice on themselves. He's like they need patience, and he's like and the sicker the better, you know. <laughs> so that, in my mind, that's what I was looking for. At that, I had actually met Michael, uh, I think three times in the first, or uh, you know, in the first couple of years of my career, and um, just an incredible, incredible fella. You know, helped me out in more ways than one. I, you know, whether he realizes it or not, but uh, I had a great time, you know, talking with him and learning from him. And I don't know, I just I knew it was I knew it was something that I had to do. And, you know, I figured, you know, maybe there are better ways, but I can't find it right now. So I'm just going to stick with
0: it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I think the important thing for listeners, um, if someone's listening now that is uh, finishing university or going through university or they haven't started their journey yet, The thing that I'm trying to really get at is that um, opportunities can come up and you can get lucky, but luck is the result of putting in the work. Um, So even though you was going through that, I guess, relatively tough time of not being able to find uh, the job that you wanted, not being able to do the type of work that you was looking for, Mm -hmm. you were still putting in the work in your own time doing um graphic design work for free or for small amounts of money in -hmm. your own time so that you could gain that experience uh you could build up a portfolio of work and then when that you know that that moment where you got lucky and you was in the right place at the right time Mm -hmm. you was able to talk in the right way you was able to show your work Uh, Mm -hmm. when he wanted to see it and that by the sound of it that wasn't work that you did um, you know in a job that was stuff that you did off off your own back and if you didn't do that you would not have got that job so if anyone's out there listening that's looking for a job don't just sit there waiting twiddling your fingers get out there and do work even if it's for small amounts of money you know the the important thing is, or or rather how you're getting paid, is through experience. Mm -hmm. And that experience when you're young and when you're new is more valuable to you than uh, money. And uh, working with real clients, you can get testimonials, you can get case studies, you you build up experience. And I think that's uh, incredibly valuable. And if you hadn't done that, you wouldn't have got that job.
1: (laughs) No. I mean, I remember when I went out on my own I remember I used to cold call all the time, all the time, you know, just I'd see something I want to do. I'd come at them as, you know, almost as a fan, really. And next thing you know, you know, sometimes it worked out, sometimes it didn't. But my goodness, I've uh, I've had some pretty spectacular stuff come out of a cold call.
0: I interrupt this interview for a short message from the sponsor of this episode, The Perfect Match. A game where designers submit mood boards created with Adobe Stock Assets and earn your chance to play on a game show to win big. As designers, we pitch good vibes and great ideas through visuals all day, every day. But how well does our design communicate? Do clients and higher-ups really understand the work we put in front of them? Well, let's find out. Test your skills by assembling a brand-inspired mood board with Adobe stock images to the perfect match. And if your skillful project is chosen, you will be featured on Adobe's monthly live-streaming game show with other groovy designers, art directors, and creatives, where the winner goes home with... $750. $750. It's free to participate in The Perfect Match. And if you submit an entry, Adobe will buy you a coffee for your time. To take part and to learn more, visit theperfectmatch.co forward slash Geek. So let's get back to the interview. Okay, so now you've got that experience. Now you've got that job that you were looking for at some point you started your own agency and you're continuously doing that now how Mm -hmm. did you go from having that amazing opportunity that you got from being in the right place at the right time to starting your own company
1: okay so um i was working at the trucking company this was back in the this is back in January of 2000 and let's see, this would have been 2012, January, 2012. Um, but basically I, I got an opportunity to work um, for this incredible little restaurant. I only had about a week and a half to finish the project. And I remember my first meeting with them was at like 11 at night and um, and, you know, I was, it was incredible. I got a chance. here's the identity. You're going to do the, the sign, going to do the menus, going to do like everything for it. And I remember, I'm, we're living just my wife and I were living just outside of downtown Noonan. And I remember going and working with the local like sign shop there, but this shop here um, in here in the, the U S, especially in the South, in small towns, a lot of times they'll, you know, as you drive onto like the old main streets and, and everything like that, you'll see a lot of houses along the side of the road, but these houses are businesses, right? And it was the same with this, you know, it was a little sign shop and everything that in what looked like this really cool little house. Well, in the back room, this guy had an amazing workspace, incredible little workspace. And I loved it. It was about a five minute walk from where my wife and I lived at the time. And... I remember I went there and we were working on the sign, you know, getting it all put up. And I remember I asked him, you know, is it cool if I use this space when you're not here? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he said, like, we talked for a little bit and he said that that was fine. I, he gave me a key. For two years, I worked out of there at night, um, you know, with a full time job and everything like that, just trying to do my own thing. And he never charged me a penny, which was still to this day amazing. But uh, I was forever grateful for that. On my first night there, I decided I have to call this place something. So as a joke, I called it the studio temporary. Because at the time, you know, the nomad designer was, you know, was kind of coming into its own, you know, people just roaming from Starbucks to Starbucks, you know, getting stuff done, you know, Mm -hmm. and. It wasn't as prevalent, you know, back then as it, as it is today. And that's what I would do. You know, I'd go to Starbucks or do different things like that. But I finally had a little spot of my own. So I remember about a month later, I read an interview. And you'll probably know this guy, Alan Fletcher. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. So for those of y'all who don't know, um, if you've ever heard of the design agency Pentagram, the original name was Fletcher Forbes and Gill and Alan Fletcher being uh, being the Fletcher in there along with Bob Gill and and um, I can't I always forget Forbes first name always forget it I don't know why but um, anyway I read an interview where he was asked what's the most important tool in your studio and his answer was my head (laughs) which was just the greatest answer ever I went back to the studio that night. I couldn't get it out of my mind. So I came up with my tagline, which I still use to this day, which is good design wherever I happen to be, and decided to stick with the name The Studio Temporary.
0: That worked so well. Um (laughs) okay, so 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 you found your space. Um and now in terms of the story, you built up that skill set, you found that location, and that is amazing. You know, Mm that's uh (laughs) right place, right time. Uh you took the opportunity to uh, you know, that intuitive to ask if that space was available and uh what a what an opportunity. So uh, now, I think now is a good time to go back to that cold calling. So, you've got your space, but now the most, one of the most important things or one of the hardest things uh, for freelance designers or agency owners is that they need work. Yes. So, how did you go from having a space to having a whole load of work as well? So,
1: oh man, honestly, I, it's crazy. I, I started putting that shingle out, and I started posting photos from there. And then, um, Instagram was just coming around at that time. You know, it, it had not even been out for a year when I first got on. And I remember, um, I was I was still at the trucking company, and I would go to this little spot. Um, They're in just outside of um, just outside of downtown. It's like a five minute drive from where I worked at the time, and I would sit on a bench, this old stone bench, um, bench and table, in this place called the Jane. And I would just draw and sketch and work on stuff, and people would come by and see, like, "Oh, what are you doing?" and, and stuff like that. I, I remember, you know, making a fluke a few clients just from that, which was pretty cool, and then um you know as far as the cold calling i i don't know i would find places that i thought you know what this might be really cool to do work for or i love this brand or i'm a fan of this or fan of that and and i think that's one of the keys to the whole cold calling thing for me at least was if you're going to approach another brand or something like that come to them as a fan because generally that's what you are you know the other thing that i would say is you can be a little selfish because you're coming to them and saying i would like to do this for you. be very specific, you know. this is what i would love to do for you. i you know, it's not like oh i think you're missing this or missing that. it's just man, i would love to do this for you and then just kind of go from there. and even if it doesn't work out right at the beginning, stay in touch cause you never know what will happen down the road. But man, I was, (laughs) I was cold calling agencies. I was brands. I was, um, walking into mom and pop shops, you know, (laughs) you know, some of it, some of it worked, some of it didn't, you know, the conversion rate wasn't that great, but it got me in front of people and something that I've always been able to do really well is, you know, talk to people and, and do different things like that. But, you know, now I'm kind of doing it on a, you know, if I don't, if I don't get this thing, you know, <laughs> then we're going to have, um, we're going to have some trouble, you know, mm-hmm. coming down the, you know, over the next month or something like that. So a lot of this stuff that I was doing was, yes, I would love to do it, but it was also, you know, a little bit of survival as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, I still I still cold call people from time to time. You know, probably every every couple of months, I'll just see something and I'll just reach out. Yeah,
0: and you know, what, I I really find it admirable the way that you're doing it because when I I, I don't do cold calling, right? Um, uh, the agency that I used to work at, they had a sales team, and cold calling for me is them literally um say for example one of the products was ebay stores they go onto ebay and every single one they pick up the phone and literally sell them something right um and to me it's a really slimy snaky way to do it and i would never want to do it and i would assume that the conversion rate on that type of thing is awful Uh, but the idea you know in in a business you pay a team to do that all day long all you need is one or two so it works for large companies especially when you've got a dedicated resource for that Um, but when you are an independent designer that's just not doable and I've not even attempted to try I can't even imagine how I would do it but actually going in and like just being a fan and saying I you know I absolutely love what you guys are doing um i am a graphic designer, and something that I would really love to be able to do for you is this is that Mm -hmm. something that would be of interest for you you know going in like that that's Mm -hmm. such a nice genuine way of doing it and even if it doesn't work out you've made a connection yes you've you've because that starts a conversation that isn't a slimy yucky way of doing it that's just a nice genuine way of networking and Anybody,
1: uh, anybody who's anybody who's known me over the years you know, um, I'm a pretty genuine fellow, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to, you know, to sell you this or sell you that or try to get you to do something you don't want to do. I'm not that type of guy, you know, and I saw how my dad, once again, we're back to my dad, you know, I saw how he treated every single person that came to the door, you know, and that's what I wanted. I, I made up my mind a long time ago, that if I ever did this, that i wanted to have a personal relationship with my clients and not and when i say personal i mean uh, let me give you an example if you want to work with me one of the requirements and this there is no um this is it's like take it or leave it type of a thing you and i have to either meet in person or we have to jump on a call or now a zoom these Mm -hmm. you know as it kind of is these days but if you're not willing to do either one of those things then i don't take the job yeah i don't and i and i refuse to because that relationship is very key for me you know if you don't have the time to you know to sit down and and talk to me or whatnot at the beginning of this thing then how is it going to work how's it going to work down the road? You know, I, it's just, it's just not something that I can, you know, that you can just say, Oh, well, you know, that's a huge part of, of what I do. So I'm very, very, very particular about that, but I wanted that personal relationship with, uh, with my clients. Um, you know, I can call, I can call them all up right now. Agencies, agencies as well. I can call them up on the phone and they'll pick up, you know, and I'll and I'll know, you know, most everybody there by first name, and that's a huge part of what I do, and the cold calls definitely helped, um, but, uh, but once again, just some incredible, you know, lessons and everything from my dad.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really nice way to look at it, and um, I know I know personally uh, when I first started out doing um logo design work a lot of it was just by email because it was on the side of a full-time job but now now I'm independent I I agree with you you know if someone's not willing to have a call or jump on zoom then they're. I I don't feel they're worth working with you know that it's so important that you can speak to the person get to know know them and feel the passion behind their business like that's that's something I really love like I I I spoke to a couple last week and their energy and enthusiasm for their business that's come through to me and it drives me to do the best possible work for them because Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be You know, one of those projects where I just want to get it done because I need to get paid. I want to do the best possible work. I want to do it right. I want it to be perfect for them. I want them to succeed, because it, you know, that all of that energy came from them through a Zoom call, and uh, that would they would never be able to get that across in in email. And uh, yeah, those those relationships are important, especially as a logo designer, because. Um, uh, how I see it is uh, a logo for a company is like the first thing that they usually get done and yeah. um, assuming that you want repeat business it's uh, when you've got that relationship with them you can add on other services so you can add on um, y- y- you know like stationery brochures printing a whole identity um, websites all sorts of stuff whatever you you want to do it's a logo design as a service is a really good entry point to all of that stuff and you're only going to get that repeat business if you have that strong relationship with um, clients so getting on a phone call getting on a zoom call <laughs> Uh, personally lately is <laughs> all zoom calls. Nobody wants a telephone call anymore. It, it's, it's always a zoom call. Um, but yeah, I, I'm totally in agreement, agreement with you. It's so important now and, uh, uh, you know, fundamental for building that continuous, uh, relationship with clients.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, one of the other things I always tell people too is, you know, just be available because you never know. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you another example. I, um, you know, here I am talking about all these. Oh, I talk to people and everything like that. I also do identity. I also do love graphic design as well. But, um, but here is the thing: you know, all this stuff has to. If you want to do this type of design work, this is all the stuff that you have to do. And, but I don't look at it as like this is something I have to do. I look at something really truly that I get to do. Um, yes. It's a. This is just as much a part of my process as you know. By the time I get to my sketchbook, or time to get to my computer, or whatever. But um, I remember playing pickup basketball and I went over and I said, Hey to a guy because he and I were the only two redheads there, you know, and I, we started talking. And next thing I know, this guy is not only um, like really high up at like Home Depot, he is also starting his own athletic apparel company and had been outsourcing designs, you know, like, um, you know, for like, you know, for like pennies on the dollar or whatever. And I remember he showed this to me and he had a great concept. And I said, you know, he said, what do you think? Honestly, I said, you're talking about where you want to go. I said, I can tell you right now that these designs won't get you there. And I was like, I almost shocked myself for a second because I'm like, okay, that was really bold. Now I really have to back this up, you know, <laughs> but I said, I, I don't, I don't think that'll get you there. And he said, do you think you could do better? I said, I do. I really do. Two weeks later, I signed a contract with him and I literally designed everything for him for like the next two years. Um, I remember eight months later, uh, this was, this would have been, I met him at the end of 2015 summer of 2016 was the Rio Olympics. One of the shirts that I designed for him showed up twice on live TV at the Rio Olympics. Um, which was pretty wild. And at the time he was selling on Amazon as well. Um, and by the time the Olympics were over, it was the number two selling like Olympic, basically Olympic or USA shirt on Amazon. And the only thing that beat it out was a Nike shirt.
0: It was crazy. It was crazy.
1: (laughs) Just from saying hi to this guy playing pickup basketball. That's it. Sometimes that's all, sometimes that's really all it takes, but you never know. You know, you never know who you're going to talk to, who you're going to deal with, or, you know, who knows this person or who knows that person. You know, I remember getting a chance to, um, what is it, I did uh, two dribble workshops at the beginning of the year. And just a few months ago, I had an opportunity to bid for, um, what is it, uh, UPS. It was redesigning their site and they needed all new, new iconography for the site. You know, was, we're talking third, between 30 and 40 different, you know, pieces for that. I got recommended to to do that project by somebody who I didn't even know worked at that agency who took my icon and brand identity design class. And I now I didn't I ended up not I ended up not being granted the the bid, but I think I came in it was between me and one other person out of they told me I think out of 80 people that they were looking at So it was just, you know, but you never know where those connections are going to come from. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But my goodness, I, uh, I've seen that happen over and over and over and over again. Um, I recently got a chance to design my first uh, mission patch. This patch is going to, it's going to space, you know, (laughs) and I, I got it through a guy that I met here locally. You know, I didn't even know he worked at an, at a, what is it at a, you know, at an aeronautics uh, firm, like, I didn't even know that, and um, at, the, at the time, at the time, I didn't realize that, and the next thing you know, here I am designing something that's going into space.
0: <laughs> that's incredible, <laughs> you know? that's incredible, you know, um, so- something you're making me think about here is, uh, you <laughs> when when you're a graphic designer or, or heck wh- whatever you do as a service mm-hmm. it's so important that everybody every single person in your life is aware of what you do um, and um, I, I've had friends that have uh, pointed out that certain things take a lot of time and have no Uh, obvious value so things like posting on social media all the time about you know logo design or creating a Facebook group or doing a podcast all this sort of stuff Uh, there's no obvious uh, value to it you know it's not obviously attracting clients um yeah, in in, in their it, eyes but the truth but it does yeah it's 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 far from the truth like you said because all these continuous things talking about graphic design or, or logo design but not necessarily going going up to people going can i can i can i create a logo for you mm-hmm. i'm i'm not doing that i'm just making people aware that this is a passion and this is something that i do and you've done the same thing so you're doing that dribble workshop yeah sure you you know you probably made an income from that but even that was a sales opportunity because someone joined that they saw what you could do and you got recommended for that thing so everything that we do that's public everything that we do that um makes people aware of what you do Mm -hmm. it's all valuable yes um and I think it's so important that you know when when you meet somebody they are aware of what you do but you you know you don't have to be trying to sell to them you don't have to be trying to um (laughs) you you know throw your sales pitch at them you just need to be honest and just say i i I design logos for a living and that should be enough It's
1: (laughs) it's like no i'm just i'm just a human being you know Yeah, But this is what I do. And I think you might actually enjoy this. You know, I, um, I don't know, man, it has been, it's been a wild career and I'm just getting started. I'm 30. I just turned 36. I'm still a youngster in the industry. Like not even close, you know, I, you know, Lord's been blessing and I'm not gonna, (laughs) you know, I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop that. For sure, but man, it has been, it has been a wild ride. Um, I've had some incredible support, you know, my family. Obviously, I know that uh, I know I put them through a lot, you know, especially at the beginning. But uh, man, they stuck with me this whole time, and I really cannot thank them enough, you know, for making that has for making that happen. Um, but. It's uh it's been a wild ride. But you know, with some of the stuff that I've been able to do, the people that I've been able to meet, um, you know, you know, design made that happen. You know. Mm -hmm. I think that's the crazy part is, you know, let's look at you know, maybe some of the things you've been able to go to. Why? Was it because you knew somebody? No, it was because you designed a logo for that person. Next thing you know, You know, you're hanging out here, or you're getting to talk to this person there, or or something like that. You know, um, there's a like here, there's a um, you know, a group down here called Run the Jewels. You know, Killer Mike um, is a you know, part of that, uh, you know, one half of that here in Atlanta, local legend, and everything like that. I got a chance to you know, redesign a place called Bankhead Seafood that had been around for 50 years um, that was a staple in, in the, in the Atlanta community, you know, something that he grew up on. And next thing you know, you know, I met, I met him through another person, you know, when I got a chance to work with, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give probably the best story that I can possibly give about the value of just getting to know people and being in the right place and being available. So I'm, I'm just going to give them. It's it's just give me a couple of seconds, and I'm going to tell this thing. So
0: yeah, sure, sure, okay for it. <laughs>
1: so the biggest project in my career, one of the biggest projects in my career at this at this point was uh, is working for the Atlanta Hawks. I got a chance to redesign or to design their esports team. Uh, the NBA started a sanctioned NBA 2K league back in 2018. Back in 2018. Um, 2017, 2018, and the idea was to have every NBA franchise to have their own esports team as well. So Nike at the time, or, or Nike designed everything. Man, they designed the the logo for the um, for the league. They designed all the uniforms. They designed all of the team logos, except for one. To my knowledge, I'm the only person other than Nike who was actually touched this, which is crazy. But it all started out with a, a failed project. I ended up, uh, it was a project, I won't say the name or anything like that, but let's just say I came out of it with a really cool Atlanta Hawks type of graphic, you know, kind of a graphic design for it. And I decided to post it to Instagram. I'm like, you know what? Tag the Hawks, tag these folks, you know, hey man, let's, let's just see what happens, you know. But I made this cool thing and I, and I thought you might dig it. About a month later, I get a call from the Hawks. You know, this is, uh, this is Shirley Zhang, I am the executive creative director of the Hawks. Would you be able to come in tomorrow and talk to us about a new identity project? And I said, absolutely. And she was like, "Well, oh, do you need to check your schedule or anything?" I said, "Let's just say, let's just say I did, but I didn't. How about that? <laughs> you know?" Um, and 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 we had me come in. So. Um, I I remember freaking out. At the time my studio was about a block from Hawks headquarters, right there in downtown Atlanta, which was amazing. And um I'd moved on from the sign shop <laughs> years ago. But um I I got the email and the here's all the stuff for parking and everything like that. And then in the email it said, don't forget to bring your portfolio. I haven't brought my portfolio to anything since two thousand nine, right? Mm-hmm. It's just it's just not I'm like the Atlanta Hawks you want me to bring in my portfolio? It's like, what is this? I said, okay, that's that that's what they asked for. Well, I happen to have a poster design that I had just done is a big old thing twenty four by thirty six um, and um. It had about 200 something of my logos and illustrations and icons and everything on there. So I said, you know what? I'll just bring that. So I walked up and met with the the chief marketing officer and then the creative director. And they said, well, did you bring your portfolio? I said, well, I don't have a portfolio (laughs) anymore in that sense. I said, but I think I have something better. So here we are on the top floor, corner office, and I roll out this big two foot wide by three foot long poster on, what is it, on Melissa's desk, paperweighted on the end. I sit back and I just said, look, there's over 200 pieces of design right there. I said, you ask me about any one of them, point to any one of them. I said, I'll tell you when I did it, who I did it for and a funny story to go with it. I had a funny story for maybe 20% of those, but I just, kind of, <laughs> I just kind of took a risk. Well, they asked about, they asked about two of them, which thankfully I did have a funny story about. And five minutes later I had the job. Wow. And <laughs> um, now here's the crazy part. So go through, and do the work with them. Um, and at the time my buddy was a photographer doing a lot of photography for, for Killer Mike. Well, Killer Mike was, uh, was also around the community. He had a barber shop, which I actually was already getting my hair my beard trimmed at, which was, which was really cool. At the time, I didn't even know he owned it. Um, he actually, uh, he co-owns it with his wife, um, Shay, who was a wonderful, wonderful lady. Um, and, uh, Anyway, my buddy Steve West was like, you, you got to meet him. I think you guys would hit it off. I'm like, oh, fine. Well, he started one of his, uh, one of the things he did is he started in our NBA arena there in Atlanta for the Hawks. He actually opened up a version of his barbershop so folks would get their beard trimmed, their haircut during the game, and watch the game. And it was an incredible view from the barbershop. Well, I took my kid, uh, my, my son and I went. He loves going to the NBA games. So I took him there, and he was standing out front. So i oh, shoot. So I got to I get to meet my get to have the picture with him and everything like that. Well, then Melissa Proctor, who was our, like I said, the CMO of the Hawks, she walks out of the barber shop at that time right then and goes, oh, hey, Scott, how's it going? I give her a hug. You know, we should chat for a minute. Then she turns to Mike and says, by the way, this is the kid that I was telling you about. And <laughs> his whole face changed. He turns to me, he goes, that was you? I said, yeah, that was me. He gave me his, this guy is a, you know, is a pretty out there celebrity, like whatnot. Like it was, it was nuts. He gave me his cell phone number first meeting.
0: We're no going <laughs> to make some
1: stuff happen. And from there we get, I got the chance to do stuff at the barbershop and then to do Bankhead Seafood. And by the way, his partner in Bankhead Seafood was another equally famous uh, rapper here in Atlanta called T.I. Um, and so I got a chance to work with them and then, just uh, recently finished up a project with, with TI for another restaurant, which I found out yesterday just got uh, painted on the side of the the building in downtown Atlanta. So all of that came from a failed project that I decided to throw up on Instagram because I thought it was really cool. And that was, uh, let's see how long ago was that? That was three years ago. That whole process like over those three years um, and each one of those projects that i've done with them has literally changed some part of my career
0: so that's you never know an incredible story <laughs> and it's all true it's all true mind-blowing like you you wouldn't think or oh, oh, like sometimes you don't realize uh the consequences of your actions and mm. um something that i've always found really important and uh i i always think back to this uh uh, moment when I was younger I, I met this graphic designer who uh, would never show his work so you'd ask him can you show your work and he, he, he would never show it he 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 felt uncomfortable about sharing his work but mm. the truth is unless you show what you're doing nobody actually knows what you are capable of doing and this you know even comes to my mind as well like the, this past like, six to nine months I haven't publicly shown any of the work that I've done for clients and you've firmly reminded me the importance of uh showing that even the the failed stuff because you never know what's gonna come of that work so if you You if you create something show it show it is so important and mm -hmm. that whole story that you've said there that just wouldn't have happened if you hadn't of just shared this thing on Instagram. And, you know, at the time you probably thought nothing of it, but look at the consequences of doing that. It's, uh, uh, it's incredible.
1: I mean, I've been showing my work like that, you know, for, for years and years. I mean, once again, it goes back to, you know, Hey, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have clients. So I had to kind of do my own thing or I had to, you know, to kind of make up my own stuff Um, I always kind of found a way to, you know, kind of found a way to put my own stuff out there no matter what. Um, just because, you know, like I said, if I, if I didn't, you know, I I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I am right now. You know, one thing that I did, you know, growing, when I did coming up was I would actually, you know, yeah, I'd create clients and stuff like that, but I used to do these little posts, based around you know hey this is kind of what I went through today you know this is what I'm, I'm dealing with today and I would you know and instead of you know going to therapy or something like that you know I would make um, you know I would make something and and put it online and next thing you know you know hey I might be getting hired because of this my first couple of um, my first couple of you know big opportunities came you know, not from any client work that I did, but came from projects that I just did for the fun of it. You know, my first my first really big opportunities came from that. So I will always put, you know, great stock in the importance of, you know, work just for fun, you know, work for, you know, for play, you know, because that's, it's a big deal. It really is. So, um, you know, you never know where those first couple ones are going to come from, but you know, the more work you put in, I can guarantee you it's amazing how lucky you get the harder you work. You know, I'm just going to put that out there. Um, Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's not about doing this for the biggest client or the best client. Sometimes it's just getting up, doing the work and then doing it again and again and again and again, and just showing up, clocking in and it doesn't sound glamorous or whatnot. And there's part of this, you know, industry that really isn't. But payoffs.
0: Yeah, it really Ooh. does. And, and you know, we've been speaking for over an hour. So I think that's probably a really good point to uh, wrap up the interview. Uh, it's been absolutely incredible to, you know, learn uh, how you started out. Um, I think it's important to share how it's not always easy but uh, yeah look at where you are now and the opportunities that you've got through simple actions and hopefully listeners have got a lot out of that I, I mean for me the the biggest thing is I need to show more of my work because it's incredible that that you know posting on instagram to get the that job that's just that that's wild that's mind-blowing um so thank you so much for sharing your story and um you know sharing some insights into how you've been able to get to where you are now so thank you so much for coming on scott
1: hey anytime man it's been uh it's been so it's uh you know i don't i'm not a huge podcast type of guy. I think I've been interviewed on more podcasts than I've actually listened to. Which, <laughs> um, but I'm telling y'all one of the few that I have listened to is this one. So, um, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm honored that you had me on, man. I've been following along your stuff for a few years now and super impressed. And, you know, with, with, with what you've been with, what you've been doing and everything. So, you know, to be a part of this has been, uh, been a real joy, man. And, uh, you know,
0: yeah. yeah. And That's I feel we, we have so much more that we could talk about. So I'll probably oh, need to get goodness. you back on again in the future.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'd love to. We'll do, um, what is it? We'll do, we'll do a part two.
0: A part um, two. We'll
1: <laughs> um, but, uh, but man, I, uh, I hope this was, hope this was fun. I hope everybody enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, like I said, just a little glimpse into, uh, you know, a little glimpse into, you know, my career, my, Process, you know, a little bit about, a little bit about me, but, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm thrilled to be here. Lord's blessed. Like I couldn't believe I have an amazing family and incredible, you know, I've got a good life and, you know, I know that that's, that's a huge blessing from him. So, you know, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing, keep watching out for, um, keep watching out for my family and, uh, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, there's still a long way to go. There's still a long way to go, and uh, I, for one, am pretty excited about it.
0: Thank you so much, Scott, for being on the podcast and for sharing your story with us. I really hope it's inspired someone out there. If you'd like to go and check out Scott's work and to connect with him, just head to his website, thestudiotemporary.com. Um, I'll also link to that in the show notes along with his uh, social profiles and a transcription of the interview so to find the show notes for this episode just head to logogeek.uk forward slash 112. On next week's show we're going to be discussing the branding of trains with the authors of the book Logomotive, Railroad Graphics and the American Dream. But until then, make sure to go and check out the sponsor of this episode, The Perfect Match, and start working on your mood board designs. Uh, again, to check that out, just head to theperfectmatch.co forward slash LogoGeek. So that is it for today, but I'll see you at the same time next week for another exciting episode of The Logo Geek Podcast.